from God's Word we read, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may, be, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his word. The last Sunday, we began a short series on prayer, uh, just using a simple prayer from the Bible by what was at least a little-known uh, figure named Jabez. And that was a prayer that modeled for us how to seek God's blessing in order to be a blessing to others. And so we were encouraged to pray a version of that prayer through the week uh, as part of our, our community of faith. And so if you did that, well then, wonderful. Thanks for contributing to the life of our church that way, and I hope that that made a difference to you in some way through your week. We have new prayer cards uh, that are meant to be taken home today, and they're based on this passage from the book of Ephesians that we'll explore. So, you can keep going if you've been at it, and if you, you know, didn't get started last week for one reason or another, well, it's a new week, and you could go ahead and get started this time around and bring, bring some of that into your prayer life. And so, as a starting place, looking at today's passage, the one thing that jumped out to me was, was simply the question of, what should I be praying for? That's a pretty important question. If you're going to make the time, and put yourself in a humble posture of prayer to God, what should you say? What should you ask for? And it is, of course, normal that our first instinct is to pray about the circumstances in our lives that seem the most pressing. We pray for health and healing if we are sick, if someone close to us is struggling in this way. We pray for a new job if we're unemployed, or for a way through money trouble if we're in the red, or a solution to a relationship problem if we are in conflict. And there's nothing at all wrong with that. Of course, you're going to pray about the most urgent and top-of-mind things that are affecting you. It's not like God is not aware of your most pressing sources of need or stress or uh, fear. And God's promise to us is that He does not leave us or forsake us in the midst of these things. And so, just in case me or anyone else has ever suggested otherwise, it is perfectly natural and good to pray, God, I need this, or God, I'm in trouble here, can you help me? Or God, I just, I really need this situation to work out. There's nothing wrong with any of those. If you read the Psalms, you're going to find plenty of that. But that should not be all that we pray about, I would say. God should be more to us than a way to get things to work out according to our wishes, if He is truly God in our lives. And so, in today's passage, we'll see some examples of things we might pray for that might not cross our minds regularly. We get to see what Paul prayed for when he prayed for the Christians in and around the city of Ephesus, and that may say something to us for today. So, this week's passage then is a little different from last week's because it's not a prayer all in itself, it's a description of the things that Paul prays for. And our reading started with thanksgiving. 
He says, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So we start with thanksgiving here. And this is not my main point at all today, but I really can't exaggerate the value and importance of thanksgiving and gratitude. We live in a world that is just so flooded with negativity and fear and uh, complaining and accusations and disappointments to the point that that can just be crushing and depressing if we don't have anything to work against that. And so in the midst of this, being grateful, giving thanks to God for what we do have, what He's given, that is powerful. That can change the tone of our whole day. It can change and shape our whole personality in important ways over time. So there are days that, you know, I'm feeling especially burdened or unsuccessful or exhausted. And it's meaningful sometimes when I just, sometimes I'll just poke my head into the, the kids' room when they're sleeping after, perhaps after fighting with them to get them to sleep for some time now. And sometimes just kind of marvel at what I've been given as they snore away in their beds there. Or go downstairs to the freezer to bring up something for tomorrow's supper and just recognize what an incredible gift this is that you know, I'm going to go down to the other floor of my good-sized home to get food that I have in one of my three freezers. <laughs> and, you know, sure, there's a lot to clean and a lot to fix and a lot to improve, and there always will be, but this is a warm and a safe and a welcoming place, and I thank God for this. These little moments are important. Starting prayer with thanksgiving is just a good habit. It sets the tone. It reminds you that everything you have, all that you are, it comes from God. So Paul starts with thanks. He's thankful that there is this church over in Ephesus that's doing things right in a lot of ways. They have faith in Jesus. They have love for each other, and that by itself is a lot. And so that thankfulness inspires him to pray regularly for them. He focuses in his prayer, he says, on three main desires that he has for them. And that's what we're going to focus in on today. And so first we read, he said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you will know him better. That's step one. Know God better. Paul prays that they would receive this special spirit of wisdom and revelation. They already have the Holy Spirit. They're Christians. But Paul prays that they would get, I guess, a special flow of insight from the Spirit to grow their knowledge of God. So that's the first thing. The next thing he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So first, to know God better, and now to know the hope to which God has called you. Paul prays that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened, which we you know, covered in the children's story time, where the, the heart is the center of the personality, the true inner self. And our hearts can be pretty blind to God at times. They can be forgetful of what God has done. And so Paul prays that these believers' hearts would recognize and understand just how much God has given them to hope for, right? The riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. And that is where this hope is, is rooted, the riches of His glorious inheritance. It, it points us to this future, which the Bible points us to, which the, the church has you know, hoped for, for its whole history, this future of this day that we are redeemed, along with all of God's creation, 
where God and his people are reunited, where sin and death are banished, where love wins and we return to how things were meant to be. It's the hope of resurrection in God's new creation. And the wording here is also kind of neat because it also points to the idea that his holy people, those who follow Jesus, they're God's inheritance. It's, it says something about our value in God's sight, that this is what he's looking forward to and looks to inherit. And so Paul prays that the Ephesians would be enlightened to grasp just how wonderful this future hope is, because those who have this hope have a certain kind of power. Now, what made all that possible? It's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus who allowed himself to suffer and die on the cross, and then through the power of God, rose again, defeating death in the process. And that's the amazing, you know, incredibly mighty power of God, which we celebrate on Easter Sunday when the tomb was empty and Jesus was out walking and talking with his disciples again, according to our faith. And so the next bit of the, the passage, the final piece, says that that power, that power that the followers of Jesus have access to, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Right? Is it not downplaying the power here, trying to make it pretty clear just how huge this is. This is the power that fuels our future hope. It's the third emphasis of the passage. Paul wants to remind the Ephesians that this same power, this resurrection power, is available to them. His incomparably great power for us who believe. And so if I can paraphrase the things Paul prays for as he prays for this group of Christians, because the language here is, you know, maybe a little, little flowery or convoluted for our modern English. He says, look, I pray for three things for you. I pray that the Holy Spirit would help you to really get God so that you would know Him better. I pray that you would understand and believe right to the bottom of your soul the wonderful future in store for you because of the resurrection. Have that hope. And third, he says, I pray that you will realize and have faith that this same incredible resurrection power is available to you right now. Or maybe I'll even try putting it one other different way to say what kind of Jesus followers is Paul praying for the Ephesians to become. So he's, he's praying that they would become Christians who gain wisdom to know God better, who have a strong hope in their future with Jesus, and who have faith that God's resurrection power is with them in the here and now. All right, so what should we do with that in 2023 in Sackville, Nova Scotia? I have kind of describe today's passage as the Apostle Paul expressing in a letter uh, how he prayed for a group of Christians around the city of Ephesus 2,000 years ago. Like, that is essentially what we just read and, you know, investigated a little bit. But in faith, I, I come believing that this is much more as well. Right? These words are also something that Jesus, who is God's true word, uses to speak to me and to us in the here and now for our good and God's glory. Right, so this is not simply a voice speaking out of history with good advice for us because I'm building my life on the belief that this is before me so that God can speak into my life and circumstances with this unchanging truth which I need in order to thrive as a human who follows Jesus. And God, so God speaks through the Scriptures. 
What does he want us to know through this bit of his word? What does he want you to know? What should we do with this? And so let's go back to those three prayer priorities one more time and think about our lives in this world. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, we live in a world that we know is full of incredible noise. It's got information overload. There's nonstop stimulation. And there's just all these things we constantly have to think of in order to function and manage in these modern lives of ours. And that is not helpful, for the most part, in knowing God better. So you can even pause for a second and ask and say, what do I do, (coughs) excuse me, in a typical day that does help me know God better? That does help God stop from being crowded out by all of this noise. The world is just not our friend when it comes to knowing God, for the most part. There are things you can do, of course, to help with this. There are disciplines and practices and habits. There are regular church attendance and Bible reading plans and small groups and devotionals and so on. All that is great. I recommend many of those things very highly. But this prayer is not for the Ephesians to become more diligent. It is for a spirit of wisdom and revelation from God to be poured out on them so that they would know God better. So we need God's help to know God. This isn't a project that's driven by us. It's something that we go along with uh, what God is doing. And so we could ask, do we desire this? Do I actually want to know God better? And when I pray this for myself and others. So the second part now, that's the first part. The second part, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you would know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. So we live in a world with a million different ideas about what life is about and what it means to be human. Right? If you go back a hundred years and you grew up in a little town that had probably a, you know, a Catholic and a Protestant church, and those were pretty much the sources of knowledge about these kinds of, of things. Now we live in a world where, you know, there's kind of infinite access to, to everything, and we, we don't really care about authority anymore either, so we accept all ideas pretty equally. Whatever the next teenager says on TikTok is as good as whatever somebody else said before that. And so there's not much certainty to be found. Nobody can prove in some objective or indisputable way that they are right. How do I know that I am not some cosmic accident or that my faith in God isn't just a product of my genetics, you know, which evolutionary biology has conferred on me? How do I know that any part of me will remain when this body of mine inevitably dies? And the answer is that I do not know. But I have hope. I have hope that is grounded both in reason and faith that that my story and the story of all creation is headed to a beautiful end, thanks to its loving creator. I have hope in a future where I will enjoy life to the full, where pain and sorrow and death aren't welcome anymore because of Jesus. And lots of people around this globe share that hope with me. But how strongly do we hold on to that hope? Because if it's, if it's not all that strong, if it's a hope in the same way that, you know, that I hope I'll win the lottery one day, like, wouldn't that be nice? well, then chances are we'll live just like anybody else who is basically trying to give their life meaning through, through wealth or travel or hobbies or experiences or whatever makes you feel most alive in the moment. 
until your time runs out. Like, just keep doing that over and over again until you're done. And then, of course, you'll find out if this heaven thing you sort of believe in is real and whether or not God is going to let you in. But what if the eyes of your heart are enlightened so that you know and trust the hope that God has called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance? I mean, for one thing, I think you can get a lot more joy out of the journey of life in all its stages if you're not living in fear of all the things that you are going to eventually lose. So it's a very different journey when you trust that actually the best is yet to come. Hardships look different when you have this hope. You know that they are temporary. You trust that you will experience life without this burden or this difficulty or this illness. You know, and that, that life is going to last infinitely longer than the time of struggle. And it gives you freedom to give your life away, which is what Jesus preached. He said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And so when we have this godly hope that we can give fully of ourselves to the world around us instead of just trying to grab everything we can for ourselves, and not only will God make that worth it when we get to enjoy those riches of his glorious inheritance, but it also tends to lead to the very best kind of life right now because we are better off when we fulfill our God-given purpose to make this world a place where people and creation can thrive. So that's hope again. And now the third thing, third piece of this prayer, that the power that is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That that's the power that is available to us. This passage uses three or four different words for power here. It's trying to stress the point that God is mighty, He is awesome, He animates and sustains and He makes things happen and He rules over everything. And that's cause to praise God for how great He is, but it's also a reminder to us that this is the power that's at our disposal. The power that raised Jesus from the death and broke, or raised Jesus from the dead and broke death in the process. When we have faith in Jesus, that power is available to us. And I confess that sometimes I think way too small. Because I'm a pretty realistic and cautious person, and in some ways that serves me well. But sometimes, as followers of Jesus, we need to be unrealistic and remember that the power of God can change our reality at any time He chooses. And that is especially important to remember and believe right now, I think, because we've just lived through a few years where everything just seems to be getting harder, right? It's harder to keep your family safe from sickness, to harder to access timely medical care for some people, harder to pay the bills for sure, harder to make any kind of life plan that you have confidence you might be able to manage, harder to sustain a church in the midst of this too. And we can get stuck thinking that this is the end of the story, right? Things are hard. Life is worse than it was. Woe is me. But that's not the whole truth. The power that brought Jesus back from the dead is with us. Some things may be harder, but there is nothing that God cannot do, nothing that God cannot change, and no reason that the next season or the next year may be the most wonderful and blessed time of our lives with God at work in and through us. Could be that, you know, there's no reason that the best is not yet to come because ultimately, if we have that trust, that hope, ultimately it is. 
And so we need to understand our reality and manage it as best we can. But in faith, we should also be unrealistically optimistic about the future. Because if we do things God's way, then we will be blessed in our lives, in our families, in our church, because God is greater than any power in this world. And so if we know Him, if we have hope that He will be, that we're going to be with Him into eternity, well then tell me again what we should fear or what we cannot accomplish in His name. Sometimes we need to be very unrealistic. In the right moment or the right season, remembering this and believing this, that this power is available to us, that can make all the difference in the world. So let me take it back to the question I started with. What should we be praying for? And really, there were four in this passage. First was Thanksgiving, which I touched on but then didn't come back to, for Thanksgiving for the people we love, those who bless us, those who we just want to cheer on because they are doing good things in this world. And for all that God has done for us and given us, let's not neglect giving thanks. Second thing that we could pray for is here, it says wisdom. Wisdom from the Holy Spirit to know God better. I mean, knowing God better is about as important as it gets for Christians, or it should be, shouldn't it? And so, should we not pray that we and the believers that we care about would become wise this way? A third thing we could pray for is a heart full of hope. That God would strengthen your hope in the future that He's promised so that you can be who you're called to be today. So that's, I think, one of the wonders of Christian faith, that our, our hope for the future is what empowers us in certain ways to be who we're called to be right now. And to pray also that God would do this for all of His people so that His church can rise to the occasion of our messy time. And the fourth thing was power. To pray for power. Not like the kind of power we see being wielded in our world, which is so often misused or corrupted or abused, but the power that raised Jesus from the dead, which is with us, in order to be able to do these things that God has called us to do, to be the people that God has called us to be. We can pray that we would live like it's true, that we have this power and have great expectations for what God will do. And so we have an opportunity here, if, if these are missing from our prayer life, to say, well, what, what of this could I pray more of for myself? Or what of this could I bring into prayer for the people around me, the people I love, the church that I am part of? And that's really something for the Holy Spirit to work on with all of us who are thankful for what God has done, who do want to know God better, who want to strengthen our hope, who want to see God's power at work in them and through them in this world. The Spirit would help us to pray for these things. And we read in Scripture that the Spirit even prays on our behalf. And so perhaps we could even start by saying, Holy Spirit, when I forget, please, please pray these things for me. And so this week's prayer, which is on our prayer card, which will get sent out through our online stuff as well, is a way of kind of condensing all of this that we talked about, all these things that Paul prayed for into a couple sentences that captures most of it. And so I'll pray that for us now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help me to believe that the same power that raised you from the dead is available to me so that I can be filled with hope and faith and wisdom. Help me to know you more, to the glory of your mighty name. Amen. All right, before we get to our last song, you guys can relax for another minute or two. Uh, 
And if you kind of need to quickly stretch yourself or, you know, crick your neck or whatever it is to help uh, let your brain reset a little bit to, to listen to the same voice talk just a little bit longer, uh, I want to say that the kind of prayer emphasized in today's passage uh, is very relevant to our church in its upcoming season. And so if you would pray for this kind of wisdom and hope and power for Faith Baptist, we'd appreciate that. Over the next few months, or the last couple of months, I've been kind of talking with our, our deacons here about how to work on defining the next chapter of our church's life uh, and work. How are, we going to, how are we going to do that? Because we need to do that. When we, the pandemic hit, of course, we were on a particular trajectory. We had a certain number of people and leaders and resources at our disposal. And three years later, we are not in the same place. We don't have that same number of people or momentum or volunteer base or resources at our disposal. And the world has changed. Needs in our community have changed. Priorities and desires in some of our own lives have changed. And so our plans and goals as a church, of course, need to change too, or we won't be a church that's able to honor and serve Jesus very well for the next season. God has a good future for us, but the status quo is not what's going to get us there. And so to start some conversations and to look for God to help us make some new plans, we're going to be starting uh, in a couple of weeks a process that comes from the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada, our larger church family, uh, and it's their Department of Church Renewal. And it's designed to produce something that they call Mission Edge Churches, which sounds a little extreme and buzzwordy, but I can't think of an alternative to that, so I'm just going to go with it and say, all right, we're going to be Mission Edge. Here we go. Uh, and you'll get more details on what that means uh, after next week uh, when we start six Sundays, which will be focused on the characteristics of this kind of church. But you can simply think of it, I guess, as a church that is not content to just exist. It's a, it emphasizes being a place of hospitality and service and discipleship, which is compelling to insiders and outsiders and makes good use of whatever unique things God has given it in order to be a blessing. So we'll go one by one through all six things that go as part of that. There'll be lots of it, but that's, that's the, the direction. And then starting in the middle of February, our, our small groups are also going to start a four-week program that's designed to introduce some of the thoughts and ideas and questions around what might be needed to please God going forward. And so if you're not in one of those small groups now, you're welcome to jump in for those four weeks. At the moment, we've got those on Monday afternoons and Tuesday evenings and Thursday mornings, and those will all be available to anyone who wants to jump in to start the, those conversations that way. But whether or not you get into one of these uh, groups, you're still all invited to come and be with us on Saturday, March 25th, okay? Again, that'll get sent out in announcements, but for, you know, save the date for that one, March the 25th. And this is going to be a, a special day of a visioning and uh, conversation and, and planning together to encourage conversations that help us identify some new ministry initiatives that will help us carry on forward. And so we'll have with us uh, Greg Jones from the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada. He's, uh, he heads their church renewal department. He's the one who created a lot of this material, so he'll come and he'll facilitate that. And I'm grateful for that because Greg was also with us the last time we came together to talk about goals and plans when we had the, uh, the Buckingham Leadership Institute church consultation about five years ago. And that gave us some some things to, to work toward that I think did help us. And so Greg will be back with us and he'll have that continuity and that familiarity. So March the 25th, 
And then after that big day on March the 25th, uh, the deacons will take those results back. They'll work on a, coming up with a plan with some very clear goals and objectives. That gets presented back to the congregation at the end of May or beginning of June sometime so that uh, if the church approves that plan, which we hope will be able to take your ideas and come up with something that sounds exactly like what you said and we'll approve that plan, uh, then we could begin this in, in September uh, in that new season of ministry uh, with those new efforts and changes uh, as part of that. So that's, that's, the, that's the process that we're, we're heading into. And there'll be more written information about that. I'll probably do some video-based stuff to, to go over that. My overflow post for those weeks will be about that. Like, this is, this is the focus for a bit. But I wanted just to, to lay all that out now because this is part of what we're asking you to pray for as we talk about prayer. We're, we're going to need wisdom and hope and resurrection power going forward. Not that we haven't needed it before, but a, a new help, a, a, you know, a new dose of that, a second helping of that would be something we could really value in this next season. And won't it be exciting to see what God will do if we pray for that and talk together about that and make plans around that and then begin to go forward in faith for that. So, Thank you for hanging in to hear about that in detail, and uh, just want to now respond to what we've heard from God today by just lifting up our voices in our hymn of commitment. So I'll let uh, Andrew and, and Molly lead us in our closing song.